0: Welcome to another episode of Hey Mama. I am joined today with Carleen, mum of two beautiful girls, same, same, same. Gentle sleep consultant and nurse from Sweet Dreamers Sleep Consulting. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Megan. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm really excited to have you on as well because, oh geez, you know, a mum of two girls or two babies, um, I had my fair share of issues of sleep issues and, you know, I read, I remember with my first baby, I read, um, I'm going to name, Save Our Sleep, and yeah, uh, yeah, and I thought, oh yeah, I'm such a structure person, I'm such a routine person, so, um, and I'm very controlling. Um, I've got this controlling aspect so I was like yeah I'm going to read this and I was like yeah this suits me fine the baby's going to sleep then and um, the baby's going to eat then and everything is going to be wonderful and I'm going to have this down pack. and then when you actually have your child uh, it's a whole new ball game and you put so much pressure and expectations on yourself. Uh, when you have this baby and if it's not doing what you thought it was going to do or life isn't what you thought it was going to be like and it's like a whole, um, you know, a mountain just crumbling down on you and, and you put so much pressure on yourself and I suppose that rolls into um, you know, postnatal depression and anxiety, and all that—that that, that kind of thing—that you, yeah, you put on yourself. So I'm really interested in. Um, I've I've seen some of your uh, your strategies. I, I don't know whether I'm using the right words or techniques. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm really interested to find out more, and I'm really interested in sharing this um, with other mamas as well. So it can be a lot. A, a lot more of a positive experience. So, can you um can you tell me or tell us a little bit about how what led you to be a sleep consultant and um, how did you develop your approach to sleep training?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I you actually nailed it on the head just then. Like I was in the same situation as you. I felt myself up, unfortunately for failure. I thought I'd by doing all of the research. I'm gonna structure it and I'm gonna have a plan. And then the baby came and it went it failed. They're
0: and and not a robot, right? <laughs>
1: it it's because I think of account that my baby is was her own person and had her own needs. And I tried to create a plan based around what my thoughts were. Were or should be for her, rather than what her needs were going totally. to. Do. And yeah. I think that that's where a lot of the information is is um, failing parents. That the the prenatal um is that you know how could be you know blah 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 blah. Um, and so I ended up postnatal anxiety and everything was going wrong and I thought I was failing as a mum and yeah. hiring a sleep consultant and I did it at, you know it was like two o'clock in the morning and um back it was like the first wake up of the night I just felt really overwhelmed in that moment and I'm I need something it was the soonest I could get a time with me and booked it without being much room. What actually was involved in it it was more someone here I need some support and a couple of days later this um beautiful lady actually she was lovely um, came over went through a lot of holistic stuff which I found incredibly helpful, but then the I came to actually start implementing some tech and unfortunately it was a lot of controlled crying based techniques yeah. and amplified my anxiety to the point where I had to ask her to leave and um, um, you know she, my baby was in one room crying I was in the other room crying my husband was like it's okay and I'm like there's still 10 minutes until I can respond to my baby and it's just not working so mm. um, long story short uh, we were prepared for the second one uh, for our second and I was like I need to find someone that I can call if the time comes that what again and instead of finding somebody I found a really course. And I've been a nurse for a long time. It was like 11 years at that time. I've been um, a primary healthcare nurse working in GP cl- clinics um, with young families. So I thought, you know, it shouldn't be too complicated. Um, maybe I'll do the course. And so I did the course and lockdown and COVID. And it was like, well, I'm home with a baby. My husband was made redundant and helping with both of the kids. And so I Sweet Dreamers to as an outlet and um, here we are three years later. So, um, wow. I, one thing I didn't touch on, I should mention, is that um, I found a course that focused on gentle sleep training, um, holistic sleep training and that was my niche that I really wanted to focus on and also changed the view on sleep training. that. It can be done in a gentle way, in a way that we don't need our babies to cry for long periods of time or at all. Um, babies need support, they need reassurance. Um, they are babies and ch- children and toddlers. Um, and To leave them to cry for any period of time actually reinforces the fears that they have sleep like time. So to be responsive is really important at this point time so yeah here we are (laughs) can you tell me a little bit about your
0: gentle techniques rather than crying it out then what sort of things can we do um, in instead of that because i don't i yeah i tried the crying out method from that book um, and all that you know try to control it kind of thing and it didn't feel right to me it didn't sit right to me um so yeah what other things can can mums do or parents
1: do? Yeah, I mean, there's a few different methods specifically um, that that we can use. So something like being in the room and holding a child's hand whilst they fall asleep or a baby yeah. and them as they fall asleep can be really, really beneficial, especially if you're not wanting to be physically holding them. Um, there can sometimes, look, I'm gonna say that there's no such thing as a no cry technique because babies cry, it's their, form of communication so being there to support them whilst they are learning any new skill um, and babies can cry when they're learning to roll so I don't want to um you know not not get the
0: message that you that a baby shouldn't cry at all
1: correct yeah Um, (laughs) being there is what your baby needs then maybe something as simple as being there with your hand on them can be really or there's uh, a, a technique called the pick up put down method where you can put your baby down, see how they respond. If they start crying, you can pick up, reassure them, then start again. And that can help them self regulate their emotions because sometimes when they're in the cough, their own crying, it's really hard for them to calm down. So, some frequent pickups and a cuddle to okay, I'm okay, start again, can help them try and want to self-settle a little bit better, knowing that you're right there and they need you. Um, but something that's really important for parents to know is actually the technique is such a small component of sleep training. It's maybe only 10 or 15% of the bigger picture. It's the holistic stuff that can make the difference between okay. What technique you use. So, things like routine, food intake, sleep environment, all those sorts of factors, if those are off balance or not ideal, doesn't matter what technique you're using, the child might not sleep. So, it's yeah. really important in every aspect. Can we talk a little bit about the
0: environmental factors? I have seen that on your um, your stories before and, you know, a mum that recovered from chronic fatigue and had to learn about um, all of this, melatonin and, um, you know, how to create a sleepy space. Let's talk about that with the babies.
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, the first thing to know is thinking about is is um, we want to sleep in a lighter environment all day um, and a dark environment all night to help them adjust to the day-night routine because they've gone back to front. Um, that's ideal for the first month until we're confident that the right uh, routine. Once that transition has happened, and up until six weeks old, um, we want them sleeping in a lighter room just to make sure that their circadian rhythm starts to get. Uh, Which is their internal body clock is the right way around. So once that, then want the ideal sleep environment to be super dark because the darker the environment, the better quality melatonin release occurs. So circadian rhythm works is lighter, brighter environments tell daytime produce melatonin, then goes to darker environments tells us it's nighttime or sleep start releasing all of the melatonin that we were producing during our awake periods. So we want it nice and dark. Also then, it plays into for slightly older babies, you know, four or five months on, uh, less distraction. They are distracted by everything, and I'm sure a lot of mums even breastfeeding, any noises, they're like, oh, what's that? Look and learn everything. So the dark environment distraction there's going to be. We want no lights pointing directly at the baby's face which can be difficult depending on the kind of camera that they've got. so if it's on switch ca- um, type of light blue tack or some electric tape um, ideally you also want any sort of electricity at least a meter a meter and a half away from a cot because electrical currents actually can interfere with sleep um, and interfere with sleep. I found
0: that so fascinating because that happened um, with Logie, my second one, that was, she was a really, really bad sleeper. And then we actually had the internet um, connections or wires or whatever in our bedroom. And then she was in a cot um just next to our bed and then there was the wardrobe directly across from her and somebody had told me back then and i was like wow i never even thought about that kind of interference and then we we decided to then make the move of her being in her own room after that you know she graduated into her own room but because she was such a terrible sleeper we sort of hung on to her being in our room for so long And then we thought oh, it's about somebody mentioned that. And it's kind of like it pulls you out of the fog. And this is why, you know, having a sleep consultant or having support and and having a coach um, in general, they can see the forest from the trees. When you're bogged down in the trees, you can't see those little things that um, somebody else can point out to you when you're so sleep deprived and stressed out and, you know, feeling all the feels.
1: Yeah, when you're in a monkster, it, it's really difficult to see anything except what you're so caught up in. So, yeah. So understandable. Did it make a difference? When you moved rooms? Yeah, so she, I think it did make a, a bit of a
0: difference. Um, but then I actually had someone come in, uh, like Feng Shui, and come into my home and say, Your house is disconnected. And so our bedroom was up here the office was in the middle room and then the girls were separated in their bedrooms. And we were actually going through a period where both of them were waking up and it was like musical beds. I know a lot of mums can relate um, that it's musical bed t- at nighttime. Everybody is like, oh, we're in here now, we're in that one. You go into that one and you go into that one and all, we'll just all end up in the one bed. And when I had someone come into my home and say, your house is cut in half to those girls. So they don't feel as though they are connected to you and and so after they said that to me I just got I took action and I moved the office right to the back of the house and I put both girls together um so they had their own separate beds but they were in the same room and that seemed to help
1: yeah amazing they just needed that security and Mm -hmm. sharing a room sometimes sharing a wall potentially so that's so good that that was um that was really beneficial yeah.
0: So if you want to continue with that, like, so after the, um, you know, the electric cords and things like that, um, yeah. what else about the environment? Uh, you mentioned about the circadian rhythm, the dark, the dark, dark room. So I wanted to ask about the dark room after four weeks, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. So um, after- yeah. Four to six weeks, yep, around that full initial period. You want the lightness um, during the day. So us, you know, taking the baby out um, in the cot, out in the lounge room kind of thing to sleep during the day, that's a good thing. And then having trying to have complete darkness at night time to get them, you know, in um, in the right rhythm or in the right zone. The, and then after the four to six
1: weeks, you're saying complete darkness every time they sleep correct because then in between the naps they're having awake time and they're getting exposure to natural sunlight but in or out of the house they're still getting that regular day so that just keeps in with the rhythm of the day
0: yeah beautiful because um i can see some uh, you know holes in what we were doing as well i remember our room was was quite light during the day, uh, and well after she was about five or six months old, and uh, and I had lots of trouble getting her to sleep. And I was like, "What is going on? Why won't this kid just go to sleep? It's nap time. You're clearly tired." Um, but so that makes a lot of sense to me as well because the the room is all lit up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they can see you there, you're a distraction potentially. you're not there then they can go into panic mode Mm. and they can smell you because you were there or it's in your room it's still reassuring as though you are there and so they you um and that you're close by and then if they do call out and you respond to them there's that the way a baby falls asleep is how they want to stay asleep so if the room is dark and they feel like you're there there's that reassurance when they the end of a sleep cycle and triumph and over they still think that you're there whereas if you're there and then they fall asleep and you disappear and they wake up and the room's empty and they can see that they're alone they're more likely to wake up and not want to go back to sleep independently they're going to want to call out so there, there's so many benefits to the darkness in particular the the melatonin side of things like it mm-hmm them wanting to roll over those sleep cycles. Um, and then just adding to um, what I, how I fall asleep, how they, is how they want to stay asleep. When we come mm. to the cycle, babies tend to um, flutter their eyes a little bit. And so if there's no difference between those when they're fluttering, they're much more likely to just close them again and roll into that next cycle. So it's beneficial for so many different reasons.
0: Yeah, and it makes so much sense because I love darkness when I go to sleep. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Like uh, in the summertime, I sleep terribly because, you know, you have some windows open to get some air. So then it's not complete darkness. We live in a, um, an apartment complex. So there's street light, There's you know, there's lights out there. And um, yeah, like Pete thinks I'm a complete weirdo, but, you know, listening to your stuff, it totally makes sense. And so I, and he was laughing the other day because I set the girls' rooms up the way that I like to fall asleep. And, uh, and so I was saying, well, it's actually really good for them to release that melatonin and the circadian rhythm and uh, all these things that I've been learning from, you know, getting unwell myself. So then I will just mimic that for the girls because I've seen the benefits of what's happened with me. So then I, wanna, um, I want the girls to benefit from having that good solid sleep as well
1: absolutely and it doesn't stop really i mean my oldest abby she's five and a half now and she hasn't had blockouts on since she was probably about two and a half however every daylight savings we tend to get into like she'll get excited falling asleep in her room still a little bit light yes. and, like, <laughs> an exciting thing but then all of a sudden um the excitement goes away and then she's distracted for like an hour yeah. and yes. hours. so everyday life i find myself putting up and my favorite type of block out blind is yes. black bags what is <laughs> it? black garbage bag oh a I black garbage bag Black garbage bags they're cheap they are so effective because you can get every nook and cranny uh tape them up with just normal tape to the windows yep. i put them up because they're one they're cheap they're only up for a couple of months in my kids rooms mm. um then they're gone again. I take them on holiday. Um, we were in Queensland last October, no, uh, end of October, early November. It was so light at a.m. Yes. And it was so light at 4 a.m. And so, yeah. <laughs> my kids' room was, was so dark that at 4 a.m. when I woke up, I went and slept on the floor in my kids' room because it was dark. nice and dark. So um, it's a really, really beneficial tool but the, that's an the, excellent tip i have
0: noted and i'm sure everybody else that is listening to this has noted black, black garbage bags
1: bags I amazing swear. i haven't found anything that works as well and you know you can buy them thing, but you'll never find something that's going to fit your windows perfectly, yeah. you know because yeah. everyone's different yeah Hotel room windows are going to be, or the apart- you're going in- say what the apartment's going to be, or the Airbnb. It's hard, mm-hmm. but oh, five ten bucks and bags, and you're sorted. So yeah, that's such
0: a life saving tip as well. And and you t- you also talked about the um, cameras. And I just started thinking about you know when you go on holidays, you when you go on holidays with your kids, you can sometimes have the worst sleep in hotel rooms because they have those stupid clocks or the TV light. And I'm a person that will go and try and cover cover that up, or I just you know turn the clock around and everything. So they're really good tips too. So garbage bags, and then when you're in a hotel room, make sure that it's complete darkness because you all won't have really good sleep. And then you can't, in you know, have a good time, can you?
1: Yeah, when you're, if you're exhausted, you're up all through the night. You know, you're tired, you're cranky. It's
0: not a holiday. It's it's a nightmare. And then you you need a holiday after your
1: holiday. You so do, and especially with kids. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, um, how do you want to change the stigma around sleep cha- um, sleep training, and what impact do you hope to have on parents who are struggling with their child's sleep?
1: Yeah. So, I'm wanting to change the stigma because at the moment, when you think sleep training, you think control crying, cry it out, that you have to leave your child for you know periods of time to allow them the opportunity. To try and self-settle and things like that and that just doesn't need to be the case in fact it has the opposite effect um in my opinion that the more you leave them the more it reinforces the child's fears around mm-hmm. sleep. not going to be coming back um scientifically if you leave a child to cry for more than two minutes at a time they start to release the cortisol stress hormone yeah. so that is going to be working against sleep if you're stressed it's really difficult to fall asleep so if a child does eventually fall asleep one it's out of exhaustion two they've fallen asleep highly stressed so they're more likely to wake up sooner so catnapping or more frequent night wakings especially through mm-hmm. the sleep training process since you've got to do it more frequently you're having to leave them to cry at much larger intervals of like much more frequently through the sleep training process whereas if you're doing a sleep training technique where you can be more responsive your child's going to be falling asleep much calmer and more relaxed feel feeling safe. safe and confident that if they need you you are going to come to them and that then makes me feel well if I don't need anything I'm I'm tired I'm full, I'm warm and if I do need something, someone is going to respond to me maybe I will just try and shut my eyes and see what happens and then all of a the, sudden they start falling asleep and then they wake from a sleep cycle and maybe they'll, they'll cry out because they don't know how to fall over a sleep cycle and then get back into the I don't need anything i'm not hungry i'm not cold i'm you know someone will respond to something maybe i will try and close my eyes again and then they start falling back asleep and then they learn to link those cycles and all of a sudden it was a really unstressful experience for both bub and parents and there was minimal crying because bub was responded to the entire time so and it's a much nicer experience. Everybody, but then also it was looked at really holistically. So we've addressed routine, we've looked at mm-hmm. food nutritional intake as well. So foods that really support sleep, which is I'm sure something that you know all about. There are foods that really impact sleep. So foods yes. that can cause wakefulness, high sugar, fructose yes. that um, and then there are foods that support high in fiber and protein and mm. zinc and and that sort of thing. So things that we can adjust in and timing wise when we, um, that will also support sleep. So if we look at sleep environment, look at all of those factors, um, then we can really get on top of sleep in a really calm, enjoyable way for everybody. I had a consult yesterday and we changed all of those factors, what uh, a little bit of play, and manipulated this sleep environment slightly and this little boy self-settled and we didn't have to do any settling yeah. technique. That was just the holistic adjustment. Yeah, yeah, just so,
0: through the safety and security of um, my environment is predictable. My environment is set. Yeah, absolutely. I've got mum there if I need her. I've got all my needs met.
1: Exactly. And I got a good military base and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And and when Bub did call out, we responded and... So, you know, it, it doesn't have to involve crying and stress and all getting,
0: that. Yeah, getting to the point of getting so stressed out.
1: Yeah, and if bub's stressed, nine times out of ten, the parent who is settled with the baby is stressed too. And if the parent is stressed, the baby feels the parent's stress, and then oh, they're yeah. like, I feel stressed. I sh- there must be something stressed about, and then amplifies as well. So, you know, it's just this cycle.
0: Exactly. So with the COVID-19 pandemic, I want to talk about that. And because that's when you got, you know, your husband was redundant. And that's when you did decided to do the sleep course, um, and those subsequent lockdowns. So many families, um, they've just, you know, they would have experienced disruptions to routines. Uh, you know, not going to school and, and, and daycare and all those kinds of things and sleep schedules. How has this affected your work as a sleep consultant and what advice can you offer to parents who are struggling with sleep during that time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was really lucky in that it was the start of my career, sleep like consultant beginning of uh, COVID. Um, so for me, I was able to establish myself in the um, online space, doing Zoom consultations and that side of things, um, which was really, really helpful. But it also meant that I could really, I was experiencing what all those families were experiencing. So not being able to do a day-to-day routine is really difficult when you know you're. go to daycare, you're not allowed to go out and do that exercise that you're like able even to. going to the park sometimes you weren't
0: allowed to go out and get some sunlight and you know the, the, the first three months we weren't even allowed outside
1: exactly and that's really difficult especially when you're thinking about circadian you know we mm-hmm. need that i need the for sunlight, sunlight the fresh air yeah exactly so how do we um then combat that things like getting out into your backyard is really Um, that's not always possible going into winter time and the weather's not always great, Mm -hmm. playtime, mealtime in front of a window, really helpful. So then you're still looking outside. You're still getting the benefits of natural sunlight, um, telling your body it is still daytime and those sorts of things. So that's all, all super helpful. Um, my children, we, well, my older, who was two and a half at the time, we made obstacle courses in the house. So Mm -hmm. jumping. Oh yeah. Um, up and down the stairs, so we've got our bodies moving. We've still tried to burn off energy and get our brains moving um, or working, and um, just trying to do those sorts of things. Over the last couple of years, even since coming out of the pandemic and lockdowns, those sorts of things have still been really helpful because we've still had the, the backlash of that, where we've been really sick. So we were in lockdown for eight. So then the side effect of that was that viruses were mutated and catching those mutated viruses which are a lot more extreme than what we experienced in the past so the flu is really bad and um, coughs and all those sorts of things so um, we're stuck home and what do we do because we most people are trying not to get out and about if we're unwell way so doing things like that at home obstacle courses and um, going outside into the backyard chalk drawing and, I mean, going back to the basics of pop scotch and things like that on the nature, you know, just to be able to do the bare minimum but still getting the right exposure and the right amount of burning off energy.
0: Yeah, perfect. And uh, can you tell us a little, you told us a story about um, little boy yesterday. Do you have a, a successful uh, other case where you've had the gentle, uh, gentle approach, sleep training, or it made that difference for a family that you worked with?
1: Every family that I've worked with. <laughs> yeah. I've been well, crying or cried out ever. Um, we've, I, I've, it's uh, about a thousand families with now, so um, I'm uh, trying to think of a specific, um, yeah, one that really stood out to you. You know, warmed your heart. And I mean, they all do because mm-hmm. they all friends. Um, there was, a, there was a recently actually that I worked with where mum was suffering quite badly with postnatal um seeing a psychologist on a on a every other basis quite quite unwell um but sleeping at all and uh dad was amazing he really really stepped up he actually took a long service leave because mum was really really struggling this wasn't the the plan the original plan uh saw how mum was struggling and um decided he needed to so they brought me in and we did a um, consult after a two-hour phone call to prepare ourselves for the consult so I could come in and go through everything with dad so that my rest. And after two days, baby was six months old at this point. And after two days, uh, she was napping. At least two of her naps were between one and a half and two hours. So that wow. made a and yeah. the time is 100% affected by the daytime sleep. So we fixed most of the day within two days and nights. I think she just woke once a night after that and had been just one quick feed since then. And because the pressure has been so much and there's such a more predictable routine, mum seems to have really settled down a lot. She's still lot of um, the treatment, because a lot of, of course, biological, mm-hmm. um, but the pressure is off. She's really to enjoy motherhood oh, and motherhood. Yeah. really strengthened because when Bub was so tired, she was crying and whinging a lot and very clingy and that just set Mum off. Yeah. so happy and playful, so Mum's really enjoying that bond a lot more. That's really, really fun. So that was about uh, two months now. Um, so uh, I need to check back in with them, but that made it <laughs> a- That's amazing. I mean,
0: um, I know that exact feeling of, oh, I just wanna, cause I really enjoy being a mama, but it's those sorts of challenges that can wear you down and drag you down. But also I wanna point out that the expectation that society seems to have on mums um, rather than just like telling them how normal it is for let's talk about attachment theory um, after this so how normal it is for your your baby to be clingy to you to want you to need you to that first however many months I don't know um, that that they need you and and that you kind of do need to drop everything else and just embrace Motherhood, and not try and be uh, this person and that person, and and and, all, and instead just really, you know, surround yourself in that in that mother bubble. I, yeah. I feel like that's where I I went totally wrong. I felt like I needed to be back into the business. I needed to support my husband, and you know, I needed to um, you know show the world that you can do it all. And I, I think that the biggest lesson there was just to be like, no, you don't have to do it all. You can just be mama. And that, yeah. is, that is so. It's the most important work that we will ever do. And I say that now. I've, I've read it before. I've seen it before. And that's the message that I put out there now is that that is the most imp- important work you will ever do is to be a mama. Exactly. So let's talk about the attachment theory. Um, I had a question down here uh, talking about that. Um, so how do you integrate attachment parenting in your philosophy of gentle sleep training?
1: Yeah, so um, all of my tests involve a lot of physical touch and cuddles and um, if there's not a physical pick-up, there is both hands physically touching the baby through kind mm-hmm. settling. So um, it's, it, I, I think that the more physical touch there is, the better. And I think this also plays on how I mentioned earlier for baby is crying more minutes on their own they start to release the stress hormone so the more physical touch that we provide the more oxygen that there is um the more so the less stressed the baby's going to be the more supported that they feel um through any part of the process and i mean a lot of parents know that baby's gonna cry they're gonna cry if they're being held if they're not being held but yeah that's what i was gonna ask
0: what do you say to the to the parents that get stressed out and they do you have techniques for them when their baby is crying and they're holding them and you think well you like and you can feel yourself the you know the cortisone and the stress levels um arising in you how yeah. do we what what can we do
1: yeah um it's really important you are uh, a highly anxious person or you do have uh, postnatal or depression that you've got to support work with you through the sleep training process if you don't um that is and, and this is my initial questionnaire if you don't i do, i do suggest going uh to somewhere like a sleep where there is round the clock support to help you um because you really do need to have support it is so important that you can pass the baby on to someone who do the process with you um there is also techniques where you can take a 30 second breather and give Bob an oppo- a 30 second opportunity for calm and you get the third opportunity for calm and then you can both come back together and try again and um it just allows you both to reset and retry so um mm-hmm. Because it is important to, to be able to offer the comfort, but if you're becoming overwhelmed, it's not going to be helpful at all. So um, the resets are really important and support is incredibly important. The what, sorry? The support. Oh, the support,
0: yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought, port. I thought oh, there's something, <laughs> another technique or something. <laughs> um so what about like just you know music do you have uh, music helps calm you calms the baby do you have anything like that that is in your approach well there's
1: white noise mm-hmm. um really beneficial particularly for baby more than mum um mm. and i don't recommend using it if they haven't used it before six months of age um i have suggested mums if they've got airpods or um Headphones to use that through the process if they're fine. Listening yeah. to um, a, a podcast is a really great option as well through the settling process as well. Um, I do put limits on my settling technique. So I don't like to just go and go and go until the baby finally falls asleep. I put apps on it. So sometimes you find themselves needing to put baby to sleep any way that they can and have. Yeah. A nap together or yeah, baby, while they nap. So, sitting in the chair and have listening to something and having that cuddle to make sure the baby's calm, you're feeling calm that can be really beneficial to keep everyone,
0: yeah. Um, so like we still even, I mean, not this may not suit everybody, but we still even lay there and we will do the books, the routine, the three favorite, like three grateful things that you have to, um, you know, about your day, and we sing songs. Like, and my kids are thirteen and seven, <laughs> and you know, we will lay there. For a, a good while, um, and that's still where like, and I feel as though once we accepted that that is, you know, the, the closeness and the connectedness actually helps a child sleep. Um, that that's that's when you know our kids started to sleep really well. You know, when they didn't feel that oh, is mum leave or um, you know how long is mum going to stay in here and, and and all that kind of inconsistency. Would you agree on that? 100%
1: absolutely, routine is everything. But also, you know, closeness, sitting there together and doing that mm. at the end of them that reassurance. And the last thing that happens at the end of their day before they switch off is that I had that close with mum and dad, we did something really lovely. Um, and it was a wind down from the stimulation of the day. Mm. This can be really helpful for those older, um, younger, you know, four, five, six year olds, Helpful to what was your favorite part of your day? Yeah, exactly. Even my three-year-old likes to tell me what was her favorite part of her day. He's her big sister telling me? So yes, Yes, exactly. Same. It's a beautiful way to end the day. Like I, I sit in bed and I I say, "Did you have a good day?" And he, you know, yeah, I did. Did you have a good day? Even as adults, it's nice to kind of end the day finishing it up totally
0: yeah yeah and reflecting and thinking of something positive or something thinking about something grateful and do you think that there is a misconception out there that you that kids are expected to just go to sleep on their own
1: oh definitely yeah Yeah, absolutely um and there's that and there's all misconception that they should go to sleep like that Yeah. that, (laughs) yeah i don't into bed and close my eyes and I'm asleep like that's just not possible it's not how our bodies work. there is tossing and turning comfortable um you know sometimes I try you know, out of the water I'll try and go to the toilet again kids don't have those options sometimes they toss and turn and make noise and they cry out they need another they frustrated um all those sorts of things so it's it's biological it's not mm. always and you know some kids are more independent, but I can guarantee that they have needs. Even yeah. if it's it's before they go into the into their room. Mum, dad can have a kiss or a night, and then they go into their room and they read themselves a book, or they get into their own pajamas, or you know something still for a child to be able to get themselves ready and prepared for sleep. It may not be depending on their age um, in the bedroom. Most it is um you know obviously we're talking about younger for the most part but um there is always going to be a parental need of some sort and i think that
0: uh changing that mindset is really important and having that acceptance of um that you are a mum or you are a dad or you are a parent and you it is your job to tend to your child's needs at whatever age then and to kind of try and listen to that and accept that rather than listening to the noise out there that oh your kids should just go to sleep you know but they should you know that uh, they're old enough now or um you know you need to teach them that, that that's what they have to do right like how many people have said oh you just need to teach your kid that they will teach your baby um how to self-soothe yeah 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 um but-
1: and self-soothe, but it's because they have no more needs. You've met yeah. all the, that's because you've met their needs. You've yeah. made the environment warm, not cold. You fed them so they're not hungry. You comforted them so they're not sad. You know, you, see, you met their needs. So, yeah. so they. safe. Yeah. Did it though. So yeah. there is no around what that actually looks like.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Um, so I'm gonna finish off on for new parents who might be struggling with sleep. Yeah. What advice would you give them to establish healthy sleep habits for their child?
1: For new parents. First of all, there are no bad habits. That's the first thing that I wanna say. You can't They're... overspoil your child, right? With love and <laughs> not affection. Not spoil your child. If something is working for you, working for your baby, it is not a problem. As long as it's safe. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. That's Really, really important don't also uh compare your child is baby. Ooh, big time but, and it's and your child is happy and you're happy it's it there's nothing wrong with it it's great that's wonderful so that's the because it just takes the pressure off you know we're always comparing and it's just it's just not healthy so that's the first thing that i would say um otherwise your sleep environment simple keep it dark, keep it clean. Don't, you don't, it look beautiful when you've got like nice toys in the car, and the mobile hanging over the top of it. It looks really cute, but it's impractical and unsafe. So just keep it clean um, and keep it empty. Keep your environment dark and try and aim, especially for new parents, try and aim to have one nap in the a day or the bassinet a day, just to make sure that child is comfortable and confident in their environment you want to have lots of contact naps and that's totally cool newborns mm. um it, but eventually you're going to be like okay i'm tired now and i want to be able to put the baby down so set yourself up so that you can put your baby down just once a day in the cot the first nap of the day tends to be the easiest um always try and put your baby down everyone has heard the term drowsy baby just try it and see what happens try it. try it and it does work that's amazing yeah but if it doesn't work you just
0: pick them back up and resettle them and try again absolutely yeah oh well thank you so much carlene i want to um finish off with where can people find you where can mums where can dad's parents find you if they need some help and they want to yeah.
1: reach out thank you um so my website is www- sweetdreamers.com.au otherwise you can find me on Instagram at Sweet Dreamers Sleep Consulting and she has some really great tips
0: mummers I've been on there and uh, it's really refreshing even now Um, I've got children that are older, but it just solidifies and makes sense. And it's just, yeah, it's incredibly beautiful. So thank you so much for joining us and um, giving us all your wealth of knowledge and, and tips.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I had a really good, I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Mama. You can find all the relevant links, including socials in the description section of this podcast. If you want to find out more information about how I can help you build your best body after babies, then visit my website, www.thefitmommethod.com for more info. Lastly, before you leave here today, if you've enjoyed listening, then please subscribe and share so you can help me to reach out to those mamas that also need to listen too.